0: the four key internal controls for compliance. There are four key internal controls for the compliance practitioner. They are, number one, delegation of authority, number two, maintenance of the vendor master file, number three, contracts with third parties, and number four, movement of cash and currency. A delegation of authority should reflect the impact of compliance risk, including both transactions and geographic locations, so that a higher level of approval for matters involving third parties and for fund transfers and invoice payments to countries outside the U.S. would be, a, would be required within or inside of an organization. Quite often, a de- delegation of authority is prepared without much thought being given to compliance risks. Unfortunately, once a delegation of authority is prepared, it is not used again until it is time to update for personnel changes. It is often not available, not kept current, or does not define authority in a way even approvers could understand. Therefore, it is incumbent that a delegation of authority be integrated into a company's accounts payable processing system in a manner that ensures high-risk vendors' invoices receive proper visibility. To achieve this, you should identify vendors within the vendor master file so payments are flagged appropriately before they are paid. Furthermore, if a delegation of authority is properly prepared and enforced, it can be a powerful preventive tool for compliance. To support this, consider the following example. A wire transfer of X between company bank accounts in the United States might require approval of a finance manager at the initiating location in one officer. However, a wire transfer of the same amount of money to the company's bank account in Nigeria could require approval of multiple persons, including a finance person, a someone in the compliance function, and a corporate officer. In this situation, the delegation of authority should specify who should give the final approval for. In- not only engaging such third parties, but paying such third parties. Moreover, the delegation of authority should address replenishment of petty cash funds outside the U.S., as well as approval of expense reports for employees who work outside the U.S., including those who travel from the U.S. to work outside the U.S. Next, the vendor master file. This can be one of the most powerful preventive tools, largely because payments to fictitious vendors are one of the most common occupational frauds, including FCPA and other compliance violations. The vendor master file should be structured so that each vendor can be identified not only by the risk level, but also on the date on which the vetting was completed and the vendor received final approval. There should be electronic controls in place to block payments to any vendor for which vending ha- vetting has not been approved. Vendor master controls are needed over the submission, approval, and input of changes to the vendor master file. These controls include verification that all vendors have been approved before their information, is inputted into the vendor master file. Finally, manual controls are needed when one-time vendors are requested or when the vendor name or vendor payment information changes are submitted. Next, near and dear to my own heart as a lawyer, are contracts with third parties, which, in addition to being legally significant, can be a very effective internal control, which works to prevent nefarious conduct rather than simply as a detect control. Contracts to provide, for contracts to provide effective internal controls Relevant terms of the contracts, commission rate, whether business expenses can be reimbursed and use of sub-agents should be extracted and available to those who process and approve the the vendor invoices. If you think about this in terms of the compliance terms and conditions, that would equally apply as well. If there are non-conforming service descriptions, such as commission rates, et cetera, present in the contract terms, they must be approved not only by the original approver, but by a person so delegated under a Delegation of authority for such issues. Unfortunately, such contracts are usually not or typically not integrated into an internal control system. They are left off to the side on their own, usually gathering dust in the legal file department or, I suppose, now in a very soft copy electronically stored. The Hewlett Packard FCPA enforcement action was an excellent example of the lack of internal controls over the disbursement of funds and the movement of currency because you had the country manager in Poland, literally delivering bags of cash to a Polish government official to obtain or retain business. Think about this, because it was $600,000 paid out of the trunk of a car of the Poland country manager to a government official for a bribe to obtain contracts by HP in Poland. So uh, the question, of course, is where did the country manager get that sort of money? All of the situations where funds can be sent outside the U.S., computer checks, manual checks, wire transfers, replenishment of petty, petty cash, loans, etc., cetera, should be reviewed from a compliance risk standpoint. Within a given company structure, you need to identify the ways in which a country manager or even a sales manager could cause such funds to be transferred to their control and conceal the true nature of the funds within the accounting system. To prevent these types of activities, internal controls need to be in place. Here's yet another example. All wire transfers outside the U.S. should have defined approvals in the delegation of authority, and the persons who executes the wire transfers should be required to give evidence, agreement of the approvals to the delegation of authority and wire transfer requests going out. In other words, they should always have dual. Lastly, wire transfer requests going outside the U.S. should be required to include a description of proper business purpose. I think it's important to recognize that Internal controls are really just good financial controls. Internal controls for third-party representatives should help detect fraud, which would prevent any bribery and corruption going forward. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, it's really four, but I've got to say them again, because there are really four key internal controls you need to have. Delegation of authority, maintenance of your vendor master file, contracts with third parties, and then movements of cash and currency across borders. Number two, Internal Controls Act as both detect but also prevent controls. And this is significant because what you want to move your compliance program to is beyond detection to prevention, because if you can prevent something from either happening or an illegal act arising after indicia of nefarious acts have arisen, this is protect, will protect your company more greatly. And finally, number three, never forget that internal compliance controls are really good internal financial controls and that they will help your company run not only more efficiently, but at the end of the day, more profitably. And when compliance can tie directly into corporate po- profitability, that not only is the holy grail of compliance, but it shows how operationalizing your compliance program will make you a better run company. I hope you've enjoyed day three of one month to better internal controls, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day four. This is Tom Fox again. hope you've enjoyed this episode of one month to better internal controls. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it would help in our rankings. The word out about the only one month podcast series, which enables you to design, implement, and enhance a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.